When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Do protests work in sports? And what did Bruce Arians mean when he said that protests don't do crap? Should players use their platform for things like social justice? We're not going to stick to sports, just as politicians don't stick to politics. But we're going to have a great discussion anyway. You're not going to want to miss this, believe me, with Tom Jones of the Pointer Institute of Media Studies on this edition of Sports Day Tampa Bay. I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times, along with producer Steve Versnick. All right, Tom Jones joining us now. And Tom, this was uh, sort of the subject was part of your lead in your newsletter on pointer.org. Check that out if you get a chance to, P-O-I-N-T-E-R.org. And you didn't lead with this, but I but I want to because I think I think it kind of it kind of segues into into what you wrote about. So the other day, um, of course, we all remember you know the Milwaukee Bucks deciding not to take the court against the Orlando Magic in the NBA playoffs, and what that wrought. Quite frankly, um, you know, it was a protest, obviously, for, for what went down in uh, Kenosha, and um, you know, so. I, I, other teams, the rest of the games were canceled that day. Other leagues, the MLS and uh, Major League Baseball had some cancellations, and then eventually the NFL. Um, you know, certain teams didn't practice, wouldn't take, you know, didn't take the field. They had discussions about race and different things. The Buccaneers did practice, though, um, some twenty eight, twenty four, forty eight hours later, uh, and they met. They met as a group. Uh, they talked about it. Bruce Arians talked about it, and we asked Bruce about it. Mm-hmm. And Bruce said said the following. And I'm going to paraphrase, but it's almost a direct quote. And he goes something to the effect of, "You know, I don't believe in protests. Protests don't do crap. I've been seeing it since 1968." Okay, right. That's the gist of what he said. Now, a little background. Bruce Arians uh, is one of the more progressive, you know, head coaches in the National Football League. And the Bucks, as an organization, I mean, you know, they've had two African American head coaches. Um, Bruce Arians has three African American coordinators. The Bucks had three. They've had three. I'm sorry, you're right. Three. Yeah. I forgot one. Yeah, three. Dungy, Raheem, and uh, yeah, that's right. I forgot Raheem. And, and, God, uh, it was yeah. such so short. So they've had three African-American head coaches. Arians has three African-American coordinators and two female coaches on his staff. Sure. Okay. Um, so and, and no one's ever written, accused. And you've written extensively about Bruce Arians growing up. and Yeah, in New York, Pennsylvania, where there were riots, like like probably was sort of a, a hot boil place back in the uh, late 60s. And he's, you know, he wrote a book and he talked about how his best friend was black and you know, the problems that that caused. In fact, he was the first, I think him and Rodney Barber's father, um, who was African-American, obviously, were, were the first, uh, you know, sort of uh, mixed mixed race roommates at Virginia Tech in, in football. So 
he he has a long history of of you know this progressiveness in terms of race relations and things. So, given the context of that, just curious what you thought about him. And and you know, and Demora Smith, who's the NFLPA executive director, came out and said something like, you know, in, in so many words, like I I don't think he knows he's, he has much history here. Like you're not on, you know, you're not on solid footing if you say that protests haven't has done crap, you know, or haven't done crap in the United States. So where do you come down on, on, on that statement and on, you know, and then we'll get into the larger thing about, about athletes and, and sticking to sports and such. Well, I, I think first off, you, you laid it out really well in terms of what Bruce Arians history is and what his mindset has always been. So this idea that he is um, somehow anti-protest or, or is, um, Minimizing their impact, yeah, is or, or minimizing the message is right, right. is ridiculous. That's not that's not what Bruce Arians was doing. I think Bruce Arians was trying to make the point, and I don't want to put words in his mouth, but I think you know there was more to that quote, which I'm sure you know, which you did write about, is that he is his, he's about okay. What impact does all this happen? Because he says when he says, "Look, I've been seeing this since the 1960s. We've had protests for." I mean, those kind of protests for 40 years and guy, a guy was shot in the back seven times two weeks ago. You know, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, George Floyd got uh, choked out just a few months ago. So all these protests, all this, all this uh, standing up and speaking out. I mean, how much has it changed things? I mean, we could sit there and say, oh, the world's a better, the the country's a better place than it was 40 years ago or 50 years ago or 100 years ago or 200 years ago. Some ways, yes. Some ways, no. Some ways, nothing's changed. And I think that's the point he was trying to make, that there's still problems. And sitting out of football practice, while it might bring attention, and anything that can bring attention to this, right. make people But how's aware, it changing? How's it really changing? And I think, that's, I think that's the point he was getting at, that we need to move beyond yeah. the protest and get to another level where we're making a real impact. Besides marches, besides speeches, what can mm. we do? to make a change. And I, and I think that's what, I think that's what his point was. And I understand that. And so I think if his team had come out last week and said, Bruce, we really feel like we don't want to practice today. We want to do this. We want to do that. He would have been totally fine with that. He would have respected his players, but I, I understand where he was coming from on this. And it was a, it was from a place where he wants to see change as much as anybody. He wants to, but he wants to see real change in terms of, of and I'm not saying, look, sometimes, you know the Milwaukee Bucks got a lot of attention. I mean, they were in the middle of a of an NBA, you know, uh, tournament. I mean, they're you know they're they're in the the Eastern Conference tournament or whatever, and they could have by by law by by rule, they could have forfeited that game as opposed to it being postponed by the NBA. But the, you know, Adam Silver was smart enough to say, "Wait a minute, we're not gonna we're not gonna punish the Bucks for this stance. In fact, we canceled the rest of the day." We'll make them up. We'll play these games later, um, but it was it was a sh- you know no one had done it yet, and it was a shocking statement, and it certainly got its attention because instead of people tuning in for the game, they got something much different, right? So that's one way. That's a form of protest. Now, football teams sitting out of practice, like if, if the players didn't feel with all that was going on that that you know they wanted to either make a symbolic statement or they just wanted to talk and didn't feel like practicing, okay. But I know what he's saying, you know, in terms of, hey, guys, other than just giving us a day off, you know, 
you're just you're now just going to be a, on the list of teams that didn't practice the next day. Right. You know that it's sort of it's a little hollow. You I know think I, mean? I think the players, the NFL players. I think they were looking for a way. Like I think you just mentioned it, Rick. They were looking for a way to to show support, to show solidarity. Yeah, to show solidarity, to show that they were they were a part of this as well, and that was their own. That was really the only thing they could do was to sit out of practice. Which at the look at the end of the day, it does feel kind of. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna dismiss it and say it was pointless or hollow, but I I do I understand what you're saying. I mean I think it's. Uh, Again, I go back to to Bruce Arians. Anybody to, to suggest that he doesn't care about the message that's that needs to get out there is wrong. I, I I totally believe he's he's trying to get he try he wants to see change as much as anybody. So for all that that has gone on to this point with the NBA, um, the statements in hockey. I mean, I think every league has has taken its shot at. At expressing their willingness to to listen, and, and we got to do something, and that's what Arians was was in, imploring his his team, his players to do was like, okay, put put your money towards a cause, like actually, you know, get behind something that might make change. And I think the Bucks and Darcy Caser, uh, 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 Darcy Glazer Katzowitz uh, and others are, uh, for example, part of this you know movement to help register people to vote. There's there's one yeah, way you can make change. an impact. Yeah. That's real change. If we can get people registered to vote and they actually do vote, um, that's our democracy in action. You know, you can you can facilitate that in some way. You're going to make change. So that's that's sort of the thing I think that that you know that Bruce was going for. Um, like the the what, Milwaukee Bucks, for example, they got the Attorney General of Wisconsin on the phone and had a yes. conversation. Okay, that's right. change. That's that's at least uh, dialogue, which could lead to change. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Because you're talking to power brokers, you're talking to people that can actually actually make a difference in, in, in some way or form. I will say this. I'm, I, I like the NBA. I haven't watched a lot of the tournament this year for whatever, for n- numerous reasons. A lot of it's during the day, and that's one reason. But nothing, to me, would have a bigger impact than the NFL. Didn't the, this latest sort of... And me and you were on the radio when this was all going down. I mean, this kind of this latest round kind of began with Colin Kaepernick taking a knee, right? You know, and he took a knee because uh, a decorated war veteran told him it would be more less disrespectful mm-hmm. um, to the American flag and the process and everything than you know something else he could do like turning his back to the national anthem or whatever. Um, but we know what it cost Kaepernick. And we know that the NFL was not on the side of Kaepernick. In fact, effectively blackballed him, and there were lawsuits and everything else, have since come back and said, we were wrong. Right. Commissioner Goodell said, we were wrong about that. We should not have done that. Kaepernick, by the way, still not in the NFL. Um, don't you think that we're, at some point, since the National Football League has the biggest platform in North American sports, I believe, in this country, we're going to have a week next season or this coming season. Hell, how about week one where the NFL players get together and say, yeah, we're not playing this week. I think it's possible. And it depends a lot on what happens between now and the start of the season, although we don't and have that much it, Right. And I think the NFL is doing everything they can come up with to prevent that very scenario. Right. But I think you're going to see massive 
protest of whatever form they take, whether it's kneeling or not coming out for the national, whatever, whatever that happens to be. But it's look, it's going to turn into a polarizing thing. It's going to turn into a political thing because you're going to see the president, I'm right. sure at some point, tweeting about this in yes. the coming days and talking about And that also it. happened, yeah. Right, right. And, and that I think there still will be a lot of his supporters and a lot of others who feel like like this is about the military, it's about the flag, even though they've said it's not about the military and it's not about the flag. But it's still going to be a polarizing topic. But I agree with you, Rick, that um, I do think the the NFL is going to be sort of the – they're going to be the the one sports – because we've seen – like you mentioned, it's happened in the NBA. It happened in the NHL, although the NHL – well, they have a handful of black players, yeah, they, I think. Yeah, and they stumbled around. And look, the NHL, and I'm, I'm sure I'll get criticized for this. The NHL has always, in my opinion, I covered the league a long time. They've always been a reactionary league. They're not very proactive when it comes to stuff like this. And mm-hmm. um, I'm, I quite frankly, was disappointed in how they handled the whole thing. Um, and Major League Baseball, it was sort of hit or miss. A couple of teams decided to sit out. I think right. Milwaukee, some cancellation Milwaukee, of game. Milwaukee yeah, Brewers. Brewers, the Rays, the Rays game. Uh, one other game, I believe. Uh, but the NFL, no, you're right, Rick. If, if the whole NFL were to shut down for a week, that would, wow. I can't, I mean, no, I think it would divide the country. But I also think it would be a massive statement at that point. But something's going to, I mean, something's going to happen, right? I mean, we're going to see some form of protest, I would imagine. Well, they're trying to head it off. I mean, I, I've even read, um, and I look, I'm not, I don't consume myself with these stories every day, but I'm, I have read about um, you know the potential of, of the league agreeing to end zones being painted. Painted. I don't know if it's going to be Black Lives Matter or something. You know something something else. Um, but th- th- there's going to be you know look they're they're NFL owners are not millionaires. They're billionaires. Okay, with a B. So they have relationships with some very influential people and donate to a lot of campaigns. Um, and so if the players can influence, you know their employers the billionaire owners that they work for, um, you can make real change that way, you know? And I think that's going to kind of be the NFL's focus is, you know, first of all, how do we, how do we keep, I mean, it's a, it's a fine line to walk. And this is what I, you know, I wanted to talk to you about this, this, this whole notion of stick to sports, right. right? It's the business of sports. And you hear this all the time and I get it. People come maybe even to this podcast to say, I don't want to talk about politics. I come here to talk about the games, about the players I love, about the teams I love. And we don't do a lot of this, right, no. on, on our podcast. We we mostly do stick to sports because that's it's what we want to talk about. It's it's our podcast, and, you know, we, we have a lot of good talent in the Tampa Bay Times and, and uh, good guests like yourself and Chris Torello that come on a lot. And, and we like to talk about sports. That's our passion. Sure. But um, I I do think, you know, it's worth saying that um, this is now, you know, n- entire networks now are changing their their position on this. Absolutely. And what I, and this is going to come out, I'm sure people will roll their eyes at this, but I mean, grow up. I mean, at some point we, we have to talk about this stuff. It's right. too important not to talk about it. And to think that sports are totally separate from everyday life, whether it's a society or political or whatever it is. And, Look, I, here's my opinion on this, Rick. The people who say stick to sports, I don't want politics in my sports, it's typically because they don't like the politics involved. It's usually the message. When I used to go, when I was a sports columnist at the Times, 
I wrote about the Washington nickname of the football team. Right. And I and people would write to me and say, stick to sports. That's because they didn't agree with my take, which was they needed to eliminate that nickname. And right. when I said, Colin Kaepernick has every right to kneel, and people would write and say, stick to sports, it's because they didn't agree with Colin Kaepernick or my take right. on it. Now, if I right. said, Colin Kaepernick, he's absolutely wrong. Nobody would have you written may, me. They may have applauded. Yeah, right. right. They would say, yeah, that's right. You tell them. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, they disagree with the politics is why they say stick to sports right. or shut right. up and dribble like Lauren Ingram right. said to LeBron James. And the that. fact is a lot of politicians now want to talk about those leagues. Well, the president of the United States – look, Rick, you remember a couple of years ago when the whole kneeling thing happened. Yeah. And, um, and President Trump came out and, and talked about, okay, fine, he's the president, he can talk about whatever he wants. Right. And it became a big deal. And then, remember, Rick, it died down. It did. It kind of, of went away. Here and there, mm-hmm. we're doing. It. No one was really writing about it. No one was really talking about it. Right. And then the president tweeted about it and talked about it again. He called them SOBs or something. Right. Like that, and then know. he made it another issue again. Yeah. And so when you say stick to sports, well, I mean, at that point, if you if that was your theory, stick to sports, then you should have told Trump stick to politics. Right. Because he's right. the one that sort of stoked the fires on that whole thing again. Yeah. Um. But what I, what I think is going to happen here, Rick, is, number one, I think we're looking back at Colin Kaepernick, uh, and people will disagree with this, but I think anybody who disagreed with Colin Kaepernick back, you're on the wrong side of history. You just are. You're on the wrong side of history on this thing. And I think ESPN is starting to come around. We're starting to see them commit more energy to talking about these events. Now, ESPN will say, we've always talked about the intersection of sports and politics when it's appropriate. Uh, but I think you would could make a pretty good case that they discouraged it for a very long Ask Jamel Hill. Well, well yeah, there's sure. been talent. There's been, you know, and we know Jamel. There's, there's been people um, who had high profiles at that network that left because they felt they didn't get the support or, and, and they felt their network didn't want them going that direction. Right. And you could go the other way, too. I mean, they've had some conservative people on there like Kurt Schilling. I know. Um, Was it Will Kane left yeah, recently? I think. Yeah, he, he left recently. Yeah. So, um, yeah. And then Sage still has, has she commented on Twitter one time about something that's sort of a conservative view, and she got criticized for it. So, um, right. Look, I think Rick, though, when it comes to football, you, I think football can make it. The reason it can make such an impact is because it's it's too big and it's too popular to have any blowback. I mean, people can sit there and say, "I'm never watching the NFL again." That's a lie. You're lying. If you like the NFL, you're going to watch it no matter what. There are a lot of people the other day who who um loved who who loved the the MMA Dana White came out and spoke on behalf of President Trump at the Republican National Convention you may not have liked that but if you like the MMA you're going to be like, all right I'm still going to watch the MMA cuz I like the MMA and the same thing with the NFL you're talking about by far the most popular sport I cannot imagine and this idea that their but, ratings But you tanked, say you say that and I know what you mean but but by the same token didn't the ratings take a major hit I when Kaepernick th- yeah, and I don't think that that had And wasn't the that. NFL worried about that? I mean, don't you think that they, they realized that, you know, it's the old Michael the Jordan thing, like they got conservative people buy sneakers too, right? Yeah, no, I, I, I mean, I, you go back and look at the ratings, and there, I mean, there's a lot of uh, belief that the, the, rate, the tanking of the, that the ratings really didn't tank, and there was no connection between the anthem and, and the rate and a drop in the ratings, that a lot of sports dropped. In ratings, and it was a it was just a weird year. I look, I'll say this, Rick, that um, if 
if you love if you love football, and the ratings are fine. I mean, the NFL ratings are have always been fine. And there's you know the red zone changed things in terms of ratings. Um, digital I, platforms, digital that, platforms, yeah. yeah, all that stuff. So there's there were a lot of factors, and I, you can't just point and say, oh, their ratings tank because of the Colin Kaepernick situation. If people love football, they're going to watch football. You can sit right. there and say, I'm never watching it again. I don't believe you. I don't believe right. you're not watching it again. I think you'll right. continue watching it. So. Yeah. It's going well, with all that's going on this year, of course, 2020 is the, you know, the year that they will write history books about. I'm quite, quite certain. And who knows, like you've said, yeah, I, I'm pretty sure they're going to start the NFL season. I don't know how far it's going to go or if they'll finish it on time. Um, playing a Super Bowl seems weird to me if you're going to include fans. Um, let alone in in Tampa Bay, but that's that's supposedly where we're headed. But it's going to be a most unusual year, and I think you're going to see a lot of um, demonstrations. I don't mean marches. I mean that's one thing that could occur. But I think I think these voices are going to only become louder. You know that uh, in a league that's seventy percent African American, if um, you know if, if people if people are shot in in the use of force that's, that we've watched on live, you know, taped, you know, video cameras and things like this. If this continues, um, there'll be more, you know, there'll, there'll be, um, a lot more. And, and, you know, I, I understand, I understand why people, you know, want to watch sports as an escape, but they but everyone's part of a society and everyone has, I think a voice and should probably use it if they feel compelled to do so. And, I don't know, you know, why that that would exclude professional athletes. Um, right. A lot of them feel more of a responsibility for those that don't have that platform, that um, no one can speak for them, you know, uh, that's going to listen. So, um, yeah, I mean, we, we obviously... I, you know, Rick, I, I think the George Floyd tape changed everything. I do, too. I do, too. Yeah, because it's, you know, we when Colin Kaepernick took a knee, I think a lot of people... Certainly, you and I were looked at it this way. Like we understood where he was coming from. Sure, and yet I, he did. He did make mistakes, and yeah, you know, yeah, and you know the socks and the Cuban know, flag and, yeah, all, and that, all that. Yeah. But I, I think there are a lot of people out there who's like, yeah, damn straight, he's right. There is systemic racism. There's police brutality. There's a connection between it, and and there were a lot of people that were certainly empathetic to to his message. But there were a lot of people who were like, what, what's he talking about? Ah, there's a couple of bad apples out there. But overall, every, you know, everything's great. But when you see George Floyd, it, like, there's nobody. There's nobody that can look at that tape right. and excuse it away. And now you start to understand. And then you start hearing stories about Breonna Taylor right. and, and others. And the list goes on and on. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and now all of a sudden, and I, I went back to the same thing, Rick, about the Ray Rice situation and domestic violence. We've seen, we've heard stories of domestic violence in sports for years and years. Before and, years. and since, right? But when we see the video, when you see him, when you actually see what happened, yeah. now all of a sudden it's like, oh wow, well that no, this is unacceptable. This can't happen. Yeah, yeah. Well, and this, I think, the George Floyd thing changes everything. I think there were a lot of people who may have dismissed the message that Colin Kaepernick was trying to get out there four yeah. years ago, who now say. I understand what he's talking about because they saw the George Floyd tape. So right. I think I think the tide has also turned a little bit in this country where now people are a little more willing to to at least listen. Say, okay, yeah. what's what are you saying now? What what is this again? Like, right. let's, let's really talk about this. 
And the irony, the juxtaposition of Colin Kaepernick taking a knee and the offense that so many exactly. uh, took about that versus a cop who took a knee on George Floyd's neck and essentially murdered him. Sure. Um, you know, he's on trial for murder. I guess we'll see if a jury is going to convict him of it. But uh, nonetheless, um, you know, almost eight eight minutes and 40 seconds where uh, he showed no no inclination to, to get off his neck. And so it's, 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 look, if you cover the world of sports, if you're in it uh, as you had been, have been for years and now writing it from a political standpoint on, uh, for Pointer, uh Institute of media studies and how the media cover these events. Um, if you cover teams like we have, uh, you're going to write about it. You're going to you're going to talk to athletes about it. You're going Look, Rick, to you, you write features. You've been you've been doing you were you've been a sports writer a long time. I was a sports writer a long time. We write about the things that interest players. Right. Some days we write about players who love to fish. Right. Some days <laughs> we write about say, yeah. athletes who love the golf. We love athletes who love to paint. Yeah. Whatever it yeah. is. We try to humanize them. Yeah. Right. Well, this is an important. Or we talk about their love of family, or you know, mm-hmm. we write stories about what great fathers they are, mothers, sure, they are, or whatever. Sure, sure. Well, okay, this is an important issue to them. This is what they're talking about. This is what right. when they go home at night, and we go home with them. Yeah, you know, and we and we tell the story through their eyes. This is what they think about. This is what and where they about. spend their time, where they right. where they spend their, their money, money their where, where where they try to make a difference in the society that they live. Which is, by the way, if you follow the Bucks, Tampa Bay. You right. know, this is what guys, certain guys are doing here in this community. Well, and we used to look, you, how many stories have you written about Jameis Winston going to, uh, working out with kids or going to, you know, well, going to, to schools and having, schools you know, creating, churches. creating data rooms at, you know, different places. Yeah. So people want to hear about that, but now all of a sudden he goes, no, I'm just picking a guy. I mean, I don't know what Jameis yeah. Winston said. Yeah. But like if you write about an athlete who, oh, he goes to a school and he's working with kids and he spends his free time. You know, after school, working on pro- or buying laptops for kids and doing all this, but then he goes to a protest, and we're not supposed to talk about that. We don't write about right. that. Like that's ridiculous, yeah. of course. Hey everyone, I've been on the go recently: Phoenix, Kansas City, Chicago. If you're like me and have a home but aren't always at home, you have an Airbnb. Hosting your home or a spare room is a very practical side hustle. If you live in a big game town, you can Airbnb your place for fans to stay in. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash post. Well, it's, yeah, I think we're going to see more of it. Obviously, the, the, there's, you know. There's big politicization of of all of these issues right now. Uh, We're in an election year, which just makes that even ratchet up even more. The strangest election year ever, though, and and again, you got to check out Tom Jones on Pointer.org. I I think the debates are going to be fascinating. I think that these conventions were fascinating. I'm I'm curious how the media, like you, do a lot of a lot of stories about the media. Um, and, and obviously the administration has one view of, of, you know, what the media's role should be or is, or, um, enemy of the people and this sort of thing. I'm not getting into the the politics of it, but how has that, how has that changed with, with the pandemic, with everything that's going on with 2020? In other words, is, you know, is, is the coverage of this election going to be substantially different you think than what we've seen in the past? Yes. And, and it's a great question, Rick, because I think, I think where it is and I, and people who are Trump supporters probably will not like this answer, 
But I think the media has struggled for the longest time now for the first three years of, of trying to cover President Trump in a normal way, as if he were, you know, let's give both sides of the issue. Let's let's be mm-hmm. fair. Let's be neutral, which is something the journalists are trained to do. Um, but there's not there's a lot about this president that is not normal. And to n- try to normalize his presidency it might be a mistake at times. And if a if, if look if he's going to come out and he's going to say th- you know if he's going to lie, I think you have to call out those lies. And when you do, it's not it's not that that the media is anti-Trump. They're pointing out, look, this is a politician who's saying something that clearly is not true. You see a lot of fact checks now. There's days. a lot of fact and checks. Is that going to be the standard now, though, for every administration? Or are we just going to, um, you know what I'm saying, like or for I every think, politician? Well, it, uh, it depends. I think Trump's going to have a lasting impact on the media, mm-hmm. whether he's reelected uh, in November or not, I think. Right. Already else, has had a huge impact. He's had a huge impact, and we're going to see, I think, going forward, um, will we see sort of copycat? Even if Trump doesn't win in, in 2020, might 2024 bring a, a somebody like Trump who let's just keep saying the same thing over and over and over again and, mm-hmm. and see if it sticks. And that becomes right. a narrative, you know? Um, mm-hmm. And so I think he's changed the way he's changed the way I think politicians will act in the future. And I think he's changed the way the media will cover those politicians, but it's a, look, it's a fascinating it's a it's a fascinating thing to watch. I, I do think the last several months we're starting to see the the media be more proactive in calling out Trump for things that are not typical of a president, such as an awful lot. I mean, let's face it, he lies a lot, <laughs> and I know Trump people don't like hearing that, but I mean, we can just we can just fact check the the things that he says. They're they're simply not true. A lot of it. Yeah, and and then the other thing that has changed is social media. I mean, social media has has you know become such a dynamic. Whether you're talking about Facebook and what is allowed, what's not allowed, interference, um, you know, uh, all this stuff that that is that is a topic. Well, Twitter, Rick, um, you've been on Twitter now for a while. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a it's. I think it's one of the greatest things we've ever seen, and one of the worst things we've ever seen. And it's yeah, and it's easy to get caught up into. If you're on Twitter a lot, and you are, I know, and I am, it's easy to get sucked into thinking that the whole world thinks like this. When really, right. that's not true. I mean, the Twitterverse is not. I, I mean, it's I'm not kind of, necessarily representative of a greater society, but yeah, exactly. And it's the same thing. Like when when people comment, I'll, you know, I'll tweet out something pretty innocuous, mm-hmm. and and immediately I'll get three or four people who like to troll me who will immediately turn into insults and. Racist personal remarks, attacks or whatever, yeah. Attacks. And it's and it's easy to get for a second there to get sucked up into thinking like, oh my gosh, everybody like this is what half the people in the country think. Well, yeah. no, because these people have like fifty followers, and it, and I'm not I'm not insulting people that don't have a lot of followers on Twitter. I'm just saying they're not representative of a great number of people, you know. It's yeah. Oftentimes, and it, but yet it's easy when you read it to think, oh, everybody thinks like this. And the mm-hmm. same thing with like we we talk about like cable. TV, like I, I saw the ratings the other day, and I wrote about a little bit about this. That I think Fox News had one of their best August ever, and led all of cable television. They were averaging like three to five million viewers in prime time a night, which is a huge number for cable TV. In the grand scheme of the country, three to four million people 
Right. It's like a drop in a bucket. Like that's nothing. Right. The conven- right. same thing with the conventions. Like twenty million people watch the conventions on on speech nights on the big speech. Twenty million, twenty five million. Like it's not a lot when you think about. When it. you have 300, 350 million people in yeah. this country, yeah. I mean it's a, again it's a drop in the bucket. So mm-hmm. sometimes it's easy to get caught up when you live this world. It's easy to think that everybody's thinking about it. Look, most people just going about their lives, man, and right, you know. Raising their kids. Trying to pay their bills and exactly. get their kids to school and, and, uh, and buy a mask. Whatever school looks like. Yeah. How's school, yeah. man? How's school? Different. Um, yeah. I, I mean, we had a little debate about it. You know, I, I don't think anybody's exactly sure what what will happen when you put kids and teachers together. Um, it hasn't gone well in colleges at, at this point. Few high schools around the country haven't done very well are with you, it. Now, are your girls at? Or what are they? Is it all virtual? One's in elementary still in McKittrick, and one is at uh, Martinez Middle, first year. Um, and, is it and virtual so, or it, no? It it's it was one week virtual in Hillsborough County, and then um, they wanted it to be they wanted it to be uh, a choice where you could go nine weeks virtual, but then some lawsuits happened anyway. Long story short, they went one week virtual the first week. Now they're in brick and mortar. Um, you could have a choice. You could do all virtual if you wanted to. So they they did offer that opportunity, and a lot of people took advantage of it. Like there's, I think the classroom sizes are, are in some cases close to half. Um, there is some you know some separation in the classroom of students. They all have to wear masks, which is it's heartbreaking as a parent in a way. Like you know, my wife cried because you know you have that picture every year. You know, first grade, second grade, third grade, fourth grade, and they're going into the school and they're getting bigger, and you're watching them grow. And then this year they're wearing a mask, yeah. and it's just sad. You know, you just it breaks your heart that sure. uh, that they have to go through this. But um, this is what we have to do to hopefully God, you know, God willing, keep them all safe. And and yet we don't know a lot about this in terms of you know who's asymptomatic. Are these kids going to get it? Bring it home? Um, do they have grandparents at home that could then get sick? What if you come in contact with somebody? Do you have to quarantine and not go to school for? How many days? There's a lot of unknowns about how this is going to go, but it's a scary time for parents. Um, and yet you do know that your child needs school. They need to be socialized. They need to have a sense of normalcy. They've been home, um, you know, since the middle of March. Yeah. And and I think about these kids that not just my my kids' days, which are still very young. Um, what about the juniors and seniors in high school? You know, uh, the class of 2020, I don't need to tell you, went through a lot of things and didn't get to do a lot of things, including compete in sports. And we've talked about this on this podcast before. If I don't play my senior year of baseball, Tom, I don't go to college. Oh, yeah. And if I don't go to college, my life, I'm not talking to you right now. My life is a lot different, right, than it, than it turned out to be. Um, so I, I just, so my heart just so, like, is heavy for those that um, have had to uh, have so much canceled, you know, and, you know, and so I much taken I away. I completely understand. I, look, I, I'm one of those ones who we, I don't think we should be playing college football. I'm really – I, I, I want to say conservative when it comes to COVID, but I think what I mean – like I think most people – what I mean by is I'm, I, I take a more liberal political point of view on this where it's like this is really dangerous stuff and we need to be super careful and – but I, but as when it comes to school, I get it. Like I get this need to want to have kids back in school. I mean, just for, very like important for them. Yeah, yeah, I mean, the, to just the socialization that they have, and and I think, and, and yeah. being face to face with teachers, 
And right. I think there are a lot of kids with Learning. special, special mm-hmm. needs out there who I'm sure are greatly suffering from not being in a structured uh, classroom. Structure is what you just said. I think yeah. that's the most important thing is structure. Not everybody has structure at home. Right. You know, not everybody has a parent that's going to be home if if they have to stay at home and not go to school. Mm-hmm. A lot of parents can't work, quite frankly, if their kid isn't in school um, because that's where they they know they're protected. They know that they're safe and then they'll be there for a long enough time for them to go earn a living, you know, so that they can then feed them. Um, and so it's it's disruptive in, in so many ways. And um, and the biggest thing is the emotional. Like if you saw the smile um, before she put the mask on on my kid's face about the the excitement she had about going back and seeing her friends. Sure. Not being able to hug them, although God knows she'd love to. Um, but just just the routine. You know, routine is something you mentioned. You know, um, and and structure. Structure mm-hmm. is important. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, something they can count on. They get up every day. They know where they're going to be. They know what they're going to do. Look, adults are having a tough time with this. I can't imagine. Oh, yeah. Hello, my hand is up right now. You can't see me. (laughs) We all are. I'm waving it. Yeah, no, no, absolutely. My biggest problem is, Tom, and you know this, I'm an introvert. Like, um, I'll talk on the radio and podcasts and and write in the newspaper and try to communicate the best I can, but at the end of the day, I want to be alone at times. Leave me alone. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but it's true. It's like I love my family. I I don't love them with me all the time. I like to walk around a house, and it's funny because now you have a house. You're an empty nester. I'm an now. empty. I just became an empty nester. My youngest Incredible. one just moved out the other day. Got a house with his, a couple of his buddies. I can't believe that because just like 15 minutes ago, you were going to his games and stuff. Well, it was funny, to... and my my wife and I said, "Well, like God, like you know, years ago, like oh, it'd be great when uh, when they move out when we, to, yeah. when we just have this house to ourselves, just the two of us. We and can do whatever been, we he want." He was gone like. Like a half a day, and I was calling him, like, "Hey, man, what's going on?" He's like, "What do you want? I just moved out because I'm tired of you." Can I bring you something? You need a rake or something? Can I? Like, yeah, yeah. Can I run so, it over to the house? You, you have ketchup? Yeah, you need ketchup? I got ketchup. <laughs> like, yeah. It's, he got mad at me the other night because so he just moved in, so they don't have their cable hooked up. So he's watching everything on his computer. And he's watching. I said, "Hey, Lightning Games in overtime," and he's like, "Yeah, I know," and. uh and then Hedman scores the winning goal. Oh, right no, I you said, didn't, because yours is faster a, than the internet. I sent him a text, and I just wrote Hedman with about seven exclamation points. He's like, <sighs> you know you're ahead of me. Thanks a lot. You just really uh, go, well, it's better than me sending you a text going, oh, that's oh, Stephen no. Marchand just scored. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, it's, Patrice Bergeron just scored. <laughs> like, at least they won. Right. So. Yeah, no, it's uh, the sound of silence can, can be good, but then – um, as I tell my wife all the time, you know, embrace the chaos. So when you're in it, you think, oh, my gosh, how can I do this another day, right? Right. Because there's just so much going on. and then, um, But then I think there's a certain bliss uh, that you're probably experiencing, too, with uh, with Patty and um, and knowing that your your kids are great. I mean, you obviously you've got, you know, one that's um, been a, a musician from Juilliard, living by himself in New York for years, and now... And now Andy, I, yeah. I can't believe it. Uh, yeah. yeah, graduated, moved out. Yeah. So did he move far? Is he close enough to like say, hey, "I'm going to stop by and, uh, he's a, and he's and about twenty some minutes. Sugar. He's about twenty minutes from the house. So yeah, you're good. Yeah, although I have I I haven't seen him since he moved about a week and ago. So. Oh, you won't. No. You know when you'll see him is when he needs money. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> well, that may be true. Yeah. <laughs> it could be true actually, um, but uh, well, that's it's uh, yeah, it's fascinating. 
Because when we start, I mean, when we were, uh, it seems like just the other day when we were doing, uh, we were doing radio, and uh, I had one daughter, and now I have and two. And you had another one, yeah. I had and the you're... second one while we were still doing the show. Right. And now, yeah. now they're eight and eleven, if you can That's believe that. And then my son is um, twenty. 25 i think like it's just incredible yeah, he's but between yeah he's between my my two boys yeah so, yeah, uh, yeah so time yeah, he was flies high school but, football when we were yeah when we were doing yeah we were exactly doing radio together right so anyway well it was a, a great great uh catching up with you again as as you always uh come on and good enough to uh, give us a, a couple hours of your time this week uh make sure you check out tom jones on pointer.org p-o-y-n-t-e-r.org that's where you'll find his newsletter every uh, day, Monday through Friday. Thanks, Tommy. We'll talk Thanks, to you later, brother. buddy. Yeah, talk to you soon. The Lightning are still waiting to see who they're going to play in their Eastern Conference Final, whether it be the Islanders or the Flyers. They play Game 7 on Saturday. The Rays will host the Marlins this weekend, and they're off. We've got the Kentucky Derby, which is supposed to be raced in May. The Run for the Roses is going on as well, and the Bucks will make their cuts on Saturday at 4 p.m. Boy, busy weekend. Oh, and it's Labor Day weekend. Make sure you guys are safe out there. Have a great Labor Day weekend. For Steve Bursnick, I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times. We'll talk to you on Monday. Hi, I'm Kara Berry, host of Everyone's Business But Mine, and I am an all-inclusive addict. Enter Club Med, the best all-inclusive for you and your family. With resorts worldwide from their family flagship resort, Club Med Punta Cana, to their only mountain resort in Canada, Club Med Quebec, they have everything you need to relax. With their 20-plus sports activities, wellness programs, you can dine on delicious cuisine and make memories with your family. So book your next getaway with Club Med. Visit clubmed.us or call 1-800-CLUB-MED or your travel advisor.